I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. England night. We've all got this thing to be hard and tough, but in, in these countries, people just don't want to know about it. Like, and I'll, I'll just blame, like, you know, I'm not political, but I'll just blame the government for what they're doing. Good evening. More than 100 people have been injured tonight in serious rioting across central London. What began as a peaceful mass demonstration against the poll tax by more than 50,000 people ended in violence. Cars have been overturned and burnt, shops looted, and more than 300 people have been arrested. The trouble is still going on. This is Gascoigne, did well. Ball is up front, Lineker is over on the right wing. Perrins challenges Gascoigne, free kick given to England. It's difficult because they're all young people, they're all football fans. They have a, a special behavior when they are all together because if you talk to them separately, one by one, I think they're excellent. But when they are all together, they are bound to behave in a, in a strange way that I do not really understand yet. And chipped in. Hi, 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller. Opposite me is Jonathan Wilson. And today on the pod, we have Tom Holland, historian uh, with a particular focus on ancient Rome and has a number of best-selling books on topics including classical and medieval history and the origins of Islam and Christianity as well. Tom, pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. You've gone for... A match at the 1990 World Cup in the second round. It was England 1, Belgium 0. Why have you chosen this match, Tom? Well, uh, the 1990 World Cup is obviously the uh, the tournament for um, people who don't really know very much about football. So, <laughs> so, so I, I'm, I'm going to put my, my, my hand up on that. But it was, um, I, I kind of have interests in sport that come in and out of focus. And for some reason, I, I, I was... Um, obsessed by football that particular summer. And I, th- I think it's to do with the fact that uh, it was a, a kind of very emotional time for me uh, because um, my girlfriend, who would ultimately become my wife, had been in America for a year uh, uh, in, in California. And she was coming back mm. uh, in the middle of this tournament. Um, and so the kind of the week before she came is when the World Cup began. Uh, and I was staying in this um, squat in Camberwell, and I was so excited about her coming back, and I, that for in some way the excitement and the build-up to the World Cup became a kind of way to distract me from it. <laughs> so England, England had been shoved off into kind of penal exile on on Sardinia, <laughs> so that their, their their fans wouldn't run amok, uh, and. The group matches were going on before Sadie, my soon-to-be wife, was coming back. And and I, I went and watched every single one of them. And all the pundits said that these were incredibly tedious, dreary draws. But to me, they were very exciting. I think because my the, the sport that I enjoy most of all is cricket. So I watching very dreary draws. Is kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's right. I, didn't, I didn't really see what the problem was. Um, and 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 then she came back, and uh, the first thing we did, we went off on a, a cycling tour around France, mm. and we ended up in a bar for 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 the England Belgian match, uh, and, and sat down to watch it, and there was the excitement of her being with me the excitement of being English, watching it in a French bar. So not entirely knowing which side mm. the French were going to be on. And then the, the the kind of the long drawn out tension of the result. And then the kind of climactic goal being scored in the final minute. And I don't think I've ever, I, well, I probably have, but I mean, certainly it's among the... Um, probably the top five spectator moments uh, where I just thought that, you know, I was going to die of excitement and happiness <laughs> and joy when, it, you know, Sadie was next to me. Mm. And it turned out the French, of course, I should have realised were completely on our side against Belgium. Oh, they were? Uh, yeah, they were completely on our side. Oh, right. and, and, uh, and after the match, they all bought us drinks and it was just a, a, an incredibly kind of happy moment. Yeah. See, my moment of, uh, I mean, we'll get obviously to the match in a bit, but my moment of, of, of that euphoric moment or memory of that moment the goal going in was uh, ripping my pajamas in celebration. <laughs> well, I was in a bar, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but presumably your pajamas well, were intact. Through a traditional English way of celebrating, <laughs> take your trousers off and rip them to confetti. <laughs> Accidentally rip them. It wasn't yeah. some sort of yeah. ritual in the in the Speller household. <laughs> I was uh, I was watching it at home in Sunderland, which coincidentally is where where your wife is from. That's so right. That yeah. links yeah. in. Yeah. Um, get the Sunderland reference in early. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and. Um, <laughs> 
My my dad was a very very unemotional man, and he mm. watched a lot of football, but basically he didn't respond to it. And if something was really really good, he might go, huh? and he I remember him going, huh? <laughs> when this guy went in, which is uh, yeah, and that elongated. Like, Jesus, that's like that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, what a moment it was. Yeah, and you, you sort of, you know, you kind of, um, one of the great things, uh, and I think a lot of people have this about that summer because that summer was one of those occasions. I guess we got people got to an extent in 2018, but you know, I was in Russia, so it, it's different when you're, you're not there. Mm. Uh, the, the people have, you know, people remember the sort of the, the people they were with, they remember the family moments, and, and, and that's one of the great things sport, sport has. Yeah. I, I, and I can remember every every pretty much kind of every moment of that tournament and where I was what we were doing partly because we were going around France and then I remember that the uh, the England Cameroon match we were on a, a, a cross channel ferry and so this was before uh, mobile phones or anything and not knowing what the result was <laughs> was was unbearable absolutely unbearable and then watching the uh, the, the the semi-final in a German pub yeah. it, surrounded by Germans <laughs> um and then going outside after it finished and hearing, I think it, it was it was somewhere in um, in the West End, and and hearing the sound of Mercedes and BMWs being smashed up by oh. marauding mobs. <laughs> Deary me! But yeah, I mean the, the the World Cup, you know, in, in Italy, I can remember watching. You know, the, that was the first tournament that I came in at, and a lot of the coverage on the television back here <clears throat> in in good old Blighty. They were tapping into that great history of Italy and and, and Rome in, in particular. Well, Ness and Dorma was the, uh, and the and theme Dorma music, in the background, yeah. um, and I think that that was a huge part of of, you know of who, making it seem faintly sophisticated. You know, well, it's exciting. You know yeah. whose decision that was? Cool. That was Barry Davis who suggested it. But to Pavarotti to sing that? No, but oh, the BBC it? should adopt it as its uh, as its thing. Well, it's actually from my point of view very annoying because I'm I'm in the midst of um, with, with, with a couple of friends who are musical. We're doing um, a Mamma Mia type opera where it's entirely, we, we tell the story of Cleopatra through world famous arias. And of course, they're all out of copyright. So it's brilliant. So we, you know, it's not like you have to pay money to ABBA or anything. Um, and they're all got out of copyright, apart from the, uh, the libretto for the words for, um, for Ness and Dorma, which I guess were copyright, were still within copyright in 1990. And the people who wrote them copyrighted them, bastards. So, <laughs> so that's the only one we can't use. I mean, it would have been so, a bit cliche, surely. Yeah, but we want to cliches. I suppose, yeah, if you're doing something. <laughs> That's what like I was going to say. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're there for a reason, Jonathan. You know, um, but yeah, so so that kind of you, you you had the World Cup in Italy, this great footballing nation that you know not long been world champions previously. Um, some of the 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 stadia that were there, you know, the San Siro certainly from the outside looked very futuristic and it, it looked quite magnificent. You know, obviously once you got in, that might not have been the case, or certainly not in the modern era anyway. Um, but there was that kind of historical angle of of the, the history of this country and the football. You know, they were world champions, as we've spoken about previously on podcasts in, in the 30s and so on. But I don't know, it, it wasn't like football's coming home because obviously that's what England but would I think, claim. But I think there was a kind of redemptive quality yes. about England because, because I think that there was some kind of rejigging of the seeding. Mm. Um, I, think, I think England was seeded above Spain and the Spanish thought that this had been done and maybe it was to ensure that England would be in Sardinia yeah and the reason for that was that people were worried about hooliganism so they thought that if they isolate them on the you know I mean this is what the Romans did they would send troublemakers off to remote islands <laughs> in the Mediterranean yeah. and basically that's what the football authorities were doing old practices this. die hard yeah Tom. exactly and um 
and so, and so of, of course, every time England or any England team go on uh, into an international tournament at that time, there was a, a, enormous feelings of anxiety about, you know, were they going to just smash places up? Were yeah. they going to be thrown out? Well, no, um, and 19... that didn't happen. And that didn't happen. And the other thing that of... happened was that, that, that there was anxiety around the England team. Um, uh, Robson, I think got injured didn't he through in the uh, as ever as ever but i mean his injury was ridiculous he got and then, he got and then, injured on a piss up he dropped a bed on his foot y- yes so so there so there was all, there was all part of that so it felt like it was boiling up to a kind of classic english screw up <laughs> but and i mean, then, i think your point about and fans then it, and then it came out and then, and then the person who came in to replace robson was uh, david platt who scored the redemptive goal and who was playing for aston villa which was the team i supported so in every way it was but i think joyous. your point about the fans is it was particularly uh, acute then the, the, the fear because of what had happened in the previous five years that yeah. you'd had this series of tragedies which although of the three tragedies only one was uh, you know Heisel Bradford and Hills but only one was caused by hooliganism that it was part of a whole sort of culture of this sport is is sinking and it is a terrible terrible thing but also that 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 England was sinking relative to countries that were more civilized and, and mm. sat around enjoying aperitifs in squares while our brave boys would get massively pissed and and, yeah. and smash up shots i mean it's also and, and that 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 didn't happen well it did there it was did. A, oh, okay, there so was a bit of crowd it didn't but, happen to the same extent and i think certainly by the end of the tournament was a recognition that the Overreaction, or the the sort of the the fact the Italian police were so prepared for trouble actually helped create, on occasions, mm. trouble. Um, so, I think you know, I think when we talk about 1990s being redemptive, it's it's very easy to get suckered in by the myth. It wasn't. But everything... I love getting suckered in by myth. That was the whole point. <laughs> I was coasting the myth. It's classical history. You know, I I I was I I wanted to believe it, and so I was very happy to just kind of go along on that wave of yeah. of, of rising optimism. I mean, the same. And not being a journalist, I wasn't interested in what was actually happening. Yeah, only being a historian, the actual <laughs> well, facts. I, 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 was, I, I was I was I was enjoying the moment. I was you know, it was kind of like cresting the wave, and it... and and. and <laughs> And it was also, it wasn't just about the fans, but it was about the England team. Yes, and the which team. Which won the, team. the Fair Play Award at the end. And, and the, the team, absolutely, there's a, there's, a, uh, you know, there's a sea change. And and one, I think, that it's is hugely significant for, for football as a whole. Um, the, the England finally got rid of the back four. They were finally prepared to countenance the idea that you don't have to play with a back four. That was seen against the Dutch, wasn't it? Uh, yes, so they they played against the Irish with with a back four, yeah. an awful game, one one draw, which and I then, enjoyed hugely. And then they go to a back three against the Dutch and play much much better, and should have won. And there's a recognition that we didn't because we didn't call it a back three then, we called it a back five. Yeah. And I guess when you have Parker and Pierce as your two fullbacks, they they aren't wing backs. It is a back five. But this sort of sudden realization the country came to as a whole that actually back five can be more fluid and more attacking than back four. It's not as simple as the more numbers you have at the back. But you the, see, Jonathan, that's, that, that, that's, that's where the fair-weather football fan comes in because I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. Right, but, but I was just thinking, ooh, we're not, we haven't lost yet. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically the level I was operating but, but, on. <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the football media, there's this sort of realisation that sort of suddenly there's a tactical discussion of a kind we'd never had before. And there's an amazing bit in, in Pete Davis's uh, book, All Played Out, which is one of the, the classics of of British football or British sports literature and it really sort of paves the way for a lot of the, the great football books that, that follow that decade where he he, inter- he gets incredible access uh, and he, he's in, he interviews Bobby Robson on a regular basis and Bobby Robson at times was quite prickly with him and 
he's you know he's he's talking about the back three to uh, you know the back five back four to to Robson, and Robson suddenly snaps and says. The back four's not finished. It's not, you know, this is not the end for back four. Don't talk about back four as being archaic and the, you know, the back five as being the future. Liverpool always play a back four. Are you going to tell me they're never going to win another league title? And at the time of recording, <laughs> they still haven't. <laughs> Which is a remarkable, the you know, Robson's insight without yeah. really meaning to have the insight is an incredible thing that football did change. And of course, the, the back pass law 92 accelerates all of that. But it was a... a, a I think the redemptive quality of that tournament was for the football itself rather but than for the, the fans around it. Wasn't that rule brought in because it was felt that the matches in the 1990 World yes. Cup had been incredibly boring? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Which is something that people in England sort of, and, and I guess Ireland and maybe Cameroon as well, tend to overlook because we all enjoyed it so much. Yes, but, 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 but also Ireland were enjoying being bored. I mean, that's how they, yeah, they absolutely. got through. They, yeah. They'd bore away and then win it on penalty. And they're still struggling with that identity. And, yeah. But there's that great line, um, I can't think which Irish writer is he wrote it. He said, uh, yeah, I missed the 1990 World Cup. I was in Italy at the time. <laughs> but, but, and I, I sort of felt that a bit in Russia that um, I was seeing these pictures from home of people jumping on bus stops at Clapham Junction and everybody going berserk throwing beer in the air and there was me sitting in a flat in, in Kazan or in, in Samara watching these games alone kind mm. of. but you see I, I take it from me it was a lovely old time <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think um, having been marinated in cricket did help because a, a crucial part of cricket is obviously that there are very, very long stretches where lots of, you know, nothing much happens. So you are kind of used to the idea of that actually being a source of some excitement and tension. And those qualifying matches, that's pretty much what I felt. Yeah. I mean, they were they were objectively very, very boring and everyone said they were very boring. And I'd read the, the, mm-hmm. the I'd, I'd listen to the, the comments, you know, half time and then after the match and I'd read the newspaper reports. But I, f- I found them ex- excruciating excruciatingly exciting and then when you know in the last game they 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 got the one goal victory Over which Egypt. i think i mean it was the only match in the qualifying group i think that and that particular yeah, group wasn't, that wasn't a draw, a draw. that's right yeah. yeah i mean so exciting i think <laughs> but presumably... and, and, and and then the belgian match exactly followed the same pattern well, I was that it was say. very very kind of lo- you know scrappy. but you must have loved the belgian game because like well, i didn't cricket. love it i mean i hated it well but but, I lo- but, I loved but the way it, it. the way it played out because in cricket of course Cricket, there are few moments in cricket where it is the most exciting sport yeah. Yeah. in the world. We saw that in the yeah. in the one day World Cup, you know, England, New Zealand, and so on. When it goes to the wire, because you know, on everything a, is hanging on it. Everything's hanging on it, and actually, there are moments when someone will, even if it's a draw in cricket, a draw still means that someone's won and lost. Usually, yeah. if you see what I mean, especially when the Ashes are concerned. And with with football, when it goes deep into extra time, you know. And that we have to have a winner sooner or later, and that tension's yeah. building up. And whether it's a penalty shootout or a or a goal in the last minute, but or I two. think I, I, you knew that penalties were coming. Yeah, so you knew, and we'd never had that. And yeah, absolutely, England had never been involved in a penalty shootout before. Yeah. Um, so there was some. There was a kind of part that were thinking, well, okay, so this is going to be a, a, a draw mm. because everything else has been a draw. So I can just sit back and not and screw up. Get get ready to get you know, screw up the tension, ready for the penalties. So it, it came as a surprise. The yeah. goal came as a surprise. Indeed. All right. Let's talk about the game then in the second half.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Welcome back to the Greatest Games podcast on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Right then, let's get down to it. The game happened on a balmy night in in Bologna, I, I believe. And I mean, Jonathan, what do you remember this? I mean, England. They just sort of. I remember one commentator describing. Well, it was actually ahead of the semi final, saying England have coughed and spluttered their way to the semi final, but they're here. You could say that they coughed and spluttered their way through the group as well. Were you confident against Belgium? Because it was a good Belgium side. It was a really good Belgium team, and they they were they, they had also been seeded. They they'd slightly messed up their group. Yeah. Um. And, and Spain had ended up going through top of that group. Um. But you know they they got the semi-finals in in eighty six. Um. England's uh, history with Belgium had, had had been troublesome. You know they they struggled against them in the Euros nineteen eighty. I think we all knew that you know Schifo and Kuhlmans were uh, Van der Els, you know, They had Van der a good side, probably the best holding midfielder in Europe at the time. You know they had their uh, Prudhomme in goal was a you know sort of larger than life figure. You know, we 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 knew they were a good team with 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 good players, and I think that yeah there was a general respect for Belgian football. I mean, Anderlecht, okay, it turned out they were cheating, but they did win the UEFA <laughs> Cup in nineteen eighty four. Um, you know, it, it, again, you sort of it's only thirty years ago, and yet. It was a time when Belgian clubs were to be respected in a way that they're not now. Your club Bruges had, had played Liverpool in the European Cup final in uh, nineteen eighty-one. Mm. Well, Bruges would then get so, to the hang on seventy-eight, seventy-eight. Yeah, and Bruges, of course, would get to the 
it was an odd structure of the European Cup at the time, but they would get to the semi-final uh, in a group with Rangers, Marseille. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, a, a yeah. Year well, well, I mean, the semi-final was two groups of four, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Eight they're... teams in the semi-final, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you see what I mean. I mean, really, Belgium haven't had it, that, that, that sort of side, not until Russia 2018, really. You know, there was a few... One or two sort of decent sides. Yeah, I mean, they've Belgium... been sort of you know, threatening to be good for sort of five or six years, but it was you know, under Roberto Martinez, slightly oddly, they, <laughs> they, they, they finally kind of... <laughs> that you know, potential, Jonathan. Yeah. That but you're right. And, you know, it was... I, I don't know. I, I, I think... I think you'd think there were worse teams you could face in the last 16, but sure. equally, they, they certainly weren't the, the easiest. No, I remember the games, the, the game playing out, and I was, you know, quite young at the time, and I thought, this is fantastic. You know, England... Uh, you know, they're in their stride now and they're going to be okay. And I just remember, it was probably Barry Davis on commentary. I remember him bemoaning the fact that Cameroon in the next round were passing the ball a lot better and Barry Davis was giving England no leeway. So I probably, I suspect that was the same in the Belgium game. But I just remember well, Belgium... Barry was always very stern about England. He, he, yeah. he always felt England could be slightly better than they were. Uh, yeah, I, I tended to agree with him though, I suppose. Well, yeah, I'm not saying he wasn't right. Yeah. Like... <laughs> well, he's always right. Yeah. But against Belgium, yeah, Belgium just looked technically superior to England. You know, they hit the post. and Hit the post twice. I and mean, Kulam and Dan Schiefer both at the post. That I just was, thought England were on the on the ropes a bit for most was, of that first half. That so was very least. much the opinion in the French bar as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the, uh, the French people who were watching it with us, were, were they were worried for us. Oh, that's kind of... Yeah, they were... So obviously couldn't hear any commentary at all because there was just a hubbub of French in the background. Mm. It's quite nice to hear this because normally, you know, I associate if if you're watching with anyone who is not English, they want England to lose. You know, so these these these. these... I, I I think we we so obviously wanted England to win. Yeah, we were we were so anxious about it, um, and the kind of the. The 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 dread. It was the the dread. I mean, I I wasn't enjoying it at all. Yeah. And I think it must have been written on our faces. And so I think that you know they were probably neutral. You know, who do they hate more, the Belgians or the English? Well, <laughs> where whereabouts in France was it? Oh, it was um it was uh in in Amboise on the Loire. Okay, so, so quite quite a long way from Belgian border. Then. Quite a long way, a very romantic setting with kind of castles and bridges and uh, uh, and everything. I've no and, doubt. And and we were we were very very skint at the time, so we were nursing <laughs> nursing a bottle of wine very very carefully. Um, but the kind of the combination of the setting, the um, the sense that gradually the bar was 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 getting behind England because they were getting behind us. Made it made it a kind of wonderful occasion, but the fact that that by the end everyone in the bar was rooting for England, you know how it is. I mean, it just, the more that people as a group want something to happen, the more tense it becomes <laughs> when it doesn't happen. So it was. It, I, I I had no real sense technically of what was happening. I couldn't hear the the, the commentary. People kept walking in front of the of, of the screen, all kinds of ways like that. But it, but it is obviously much more enjoyable to watch a match like that than than just sitting on your own in a. Well, maybe. <laughs> I agree with you, Tom. I fully agree with you. <laughs> but I mean, having said Belgium, I mean, Belgium probably were the better side for most of the game, hit the post twice. They were. But There's England, no England had a, a goal ruled out for the most absurd offside. Was that Steve Ball goal? No, John Barnes. Oh, John Barnes, of course. So yes. It's a really nice move that uh, Waddle, Waddle to Lineker and uh, Lineker's oh, yes. cross. And Barnes comes in on it and side foots it in. Great volley. Yeah, that's right. And you're Barnes who kind of... Had, had never quite done it in an England shirt. Flat to deceive. And it had a lot of 
stuff to deal with, partly God, because of that, blimey, and, yeah. and partly just the awful kind of racism that surrounded English football at the time. Uh, and then, yeah, you, it's 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 astonishing watching it back to think that could ever have been given offside. Mm. And well, what, it's VAR when you need it. Well, yeah, <laughs> and and you realise that what. Um, the, it's because the, the cross has come from the right and the line was obviously on that side and it's it's almost like he's too close to the whichever Belgian player it is who who, who uh, Linek has whipped the ball around and it, it's like he, he sort of hasn't hasn't sort of taken him into account and Barnes is in front of the defender on the far side but he's about two or three yards mm. behind the it was a very poor decision and and uh, I think it's Trevor Brooking doing the co-commentary and he immediately is sort of oh, I'm not sure about that not, and then he sees it and it's yeah it's sort of it's yeah. three or four yards on. It's a terrible decision. Yeah. In the second half, though, I thought England improved, and I can remember. St- well, um, Platt came on to McMahon after seventy-one minutes, and I think that was. I mean, it's quite a negative midfield. I can remember that they started with. I remember Steve Bull coming on. Yeah, Bull came on, which is, just, just after that four, four barns. So we went, went to bring on the ball. Indeed, but it's, yeah. it's it's remarkable to think that an England substitute who played in the second tier of English football is coming on in a very crucial knockout game in the World Cup. I don't think. You might never see that again, or you certainly wouldn't see it in the modern era. I don't think, considering he played what is now the championship. Yeah, I mean, given England's injury problems before the Euros, but could happen <laughs> this summer. You're but absolutely yeah, he right. He has that very good chance as well. It's in, I think, I think it's in the first half of extra time, and and Prudon makes a very good save from him. Yeah. So yeah, he he was a he was a difficult player to play against. I think you know he's all. Not technically the most gifted, but he was all sort of elbows and, and shoulders and Classic people love watching him and a great finish. People got great cheer when he, when he, he even even on. as a Villa fan, you you like Steve Bull? I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But I just remember the kind of brew on the ball. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, though, he's I mean, he plays and looks like a stereotypical English forward, and his name's Steve Bull. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of great. Yeah, I, it's it's <laughs> it's it's what you want. But we wanted Platt. Yeah, because. Uh, both of us were Villa fans, and so we felt that, that that he was clearly the person who should be brought on. Yeah, and you, and you were proved to be right. Of we course. were proved to be so right. <laughs> Our punditry awed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Awed Amboise. Yeah. So the game went into extra time, and it just seemed like I just remember watching it, thinking this this is never going to end. One of those games. It just it was going on and on, and nobody could. Score. But that was a familiar feeling, wasn't it, from watching England in that? It's certainly in the nineteen ninety World Cup. It was a very familiar <laughs> yeah. feeling by the end. I mean, it just felt like kind of this. This this was it. It was kind of you know those nightmares where you're running and not moving. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, but by then, I I mean you perhaps remember better, chaps. But I think by extra time, the game is sort of balanced out. There didn't seem to be yeah, one I team mean, on top of the I, other. I, I sort yeah. of always had that. Um, when the other team has sort of hit the post a couple of times, you always have that. Oh, even if we win now, we don't really deserve it. Yeah, we're going to have to. We're going to have to really? laugh this off. Yeah, we're going to have to justify <laughs> this. I've never, I've never felt that. <laughs> I, mean, I that, think that, exactly that, the opposite. I think they've hit the. You know, they've squandered that, their chance. Now they deserve to lose. Certainly explains the way you bat. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Yeah, seize your chances. <laughs> Grind the opposition into the dust. That's the, uh, the elite attitude. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, as the game went on, I don't know if England were fitter or whether, but, but there was a sense that, yeah, but certainly I think through exercise there was no real sense of Belgium were going to score. Mm. And the, I think the expectation was for penalties, but England were just about on top. Yeah. And then they get that free kick. Which was what, 40 yards out? Oh, it's, it's in the centre circle, I think, isn't it? Or ju- just maybe just outside the centre circle, but yeah. Well, Ga- and Gaza was shaping up to shoot. He was. That's absolutely right, because I think... did. 
who shouted? Was Bobby Robson shout to him? Don't shoot. Yeah, because he yeah, could that's see. The story. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't shoot. Just, just put it in the box. Don't shoot. Mm. And he runs up, and it's quite an odd the way he kind of. Well, because it's central. It's a very difficult position to do anything with because to to play mm. a straight ball, you, you, the pass has got to be so accurate that. Yeah. You, you don't do it. You, you, you're in that position, you knock it wide and then, then put the cross well, one of the Nowadays, that, on, <laughs> or other side, as you say, they would have taken a short one or knocked it out wide. There's no way that they would have packed the box with everybody because Gazza had no one around him in my recollection. You know, Belgium was sure that there yeah. wasn't going to be a short pass. They knew that there was either going to be a short or in the box. But Everyone I guess, I guess he knew it was, you know, seconds from the end. Maybe you don't have time to play it wide and get it in. Yeah, well, true enough. But he, he chipped it I, up. How, I can't remember how close to the end it was. It was the final minute. Kind of final minute. Final, final, minute, final yeah. because I mean, That was the commentary. In the final minute. In the final minute of extra time, yeah. and they've done it. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah, 119th minute. He chips the ball into the box. I mean... The ball plat sort of swivels and and it's volleys. Such a hard thing to do. It was it it's it's such a beautiful goal and a great finish. But he, I mean, does he kind of he hands off the defender? If and you pardon the expression, and uh, drops over his shoulder and and his happy little round head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just from a Belgian point of view. If you're a defender and you're not marking David Platt and you see that happened and he gets a free volley, you know. Nine yards out, or whatever it is, and smash it. And you're thinking, how have you let him? How have you let that happen? Because the ball wasn't whipped in. You've got time to see it. Yeah, by necessity, it's dinked. So it drops. So you should have time to get get in position and then and do something with that. Yeah, but I guess yeah, you, you. But Sodom, it went in, Jonathan. If you're if you're a defender and you see a ball chipped into the box in the final minute like that, yeah. and it's dropping over the player's shoulder, you're probably not that worried because it's an incredibly difficult technique to. I'd... Because you know he's at a bit of an angle as well, so he's got to hit it back across Prudhomme. Terry Butcher wouldn't have let that happen at the other end. Well, you know, the weird thing, listening to you, I I I haven't actually watched it since. You know, I've never watched the highlights again. I've never watched the replay. Was that laziness or just because you don't want to uh, spoil the memory? I think because I don't want to spoil the memory. Okay. I, I, I just I, in my memory, it's he's a kind of shimmer. And then I remember the ball going in, and then I remember obviously the kind yeah, of you, you, of it. What were you going to say? And, in my and, memory, I thought it was a header. You, know? <laughs> well, you can't, you can't mark well, a I shimmer. Do rem- I, you know, I do remember. I remember thinking, God, his head is very, very distinctive. <laughs> I mean, I do remember that. that. So that was a part of it. Well, he had uh, a, a, a this beautiful buff forehead, kind of buff, which yeah, kind of gleam, and it would, uh, kind of, yeah, which he used it, very effectively. Against Cameroon, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and and I think I, I I just don't want to revisit it because. The, okay. the memory of it was 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 no, so I do joyous mm. and yeah. uh, ecstatic and perfect. But the celebrations, though, when that goal goes in, the games that's that's it done. But what I also realise is is listening to you talk about the commentary and everything mm. is that I I, I realise that a lot of other um, great sporting moments that I remember that actually the commentary is of course a crucial part of it that that's part of the tapestry of your memory. But with this, because there was no tapestry, you know, there was no commentary because it was kind of chaotic because there were. Yeah. Uh, it, it it has a very very different timbre in my memories. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, did the French uh, people in the bar leap up with you? Yeah, they did, and they bought us all drinks. It was it was a great great occasion. And then we kind of floated out happily and went back to our tent. And, <laughs> and it was it was, a, it was a wonderful evening. And 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 then it kind of you know the the, the high of that then made the rest of the tournament, you know, more and more enjoyable. Yeah, it was a phenomenal moment. And and, and it was odd coming back to, then coming back to England and finding the whole country just completely in the grip of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And because it's... when we'd left, it had been kind of rather downbeat, England a dreary, yeah. nothing's happening. Yeah. 
Um, that and, goal and we came back and it was kind of the whole country was on fire. Yeah, that, that goal changed things. That yeah. sort of collective hysteria, madness, yeah. euphoria, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's easy for us to think that's a, a modern phenomenon. It's something of a sort of televisual age that you need you need television to tie every mm. together to whip that up. But I mean, is, is did that happen before? I mean, you, you know, you've obviously written huge amounts about Rome. Did did Rome have equivalents to this? Was, I mean, how important was sport to sort of general culture in in Rome? Well, there's the, there are varieties of sport, and a, a, absolutely there were for, for chariot racing teams of different colours. So there um, were the four four colours, that right? Yeah, uh, and um, people were perfectly capable of of you know we think England had problems with hooliganism in the nine in the eighties. The level of hooliganism in Rome, and then subsequently Constantinople, where they actually ripped the city apart. And at one point, it seemed like the government was going to fall. <laughs> the the rioting was so bad. The, the the passions were incredibly intense. And obviously, your dream was. Um, I, I mean, you know. Villa have um, Prince William to support them and Tom Hanks. And you'd think, surely they can get behind the guys. But the Greens, the chariot team in uh, in Rome, had Caligula. Right. And, and that was a and completely so saying, different the, the, order. So the, it's red, white, blue, greens. Yeah. It? And, and, and what, what, what determined who you support? Was it, was, he was, supported the Greens. Yeah, but what, what determined that? Was it, I mean... You know, I, I've for, no idea why he supported right. the Greens. We just know that he did. And on the, on the night before his favourite horse, Incatatus, who... It's said that he wanted to make a console. Um, he would go around m- ensuring that no noise was making so that Incatatus would have a good night's preparation. So it's a bit like, you know, um, <laughs> the England team or teams needing hotels that are secluded away. Yeah, so yeah, yeah absolutely. The locals, yeah. So, so he would go around and, 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 and anyone who caused a disturbance, you know, <laughs> not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up getting, so Incatatus was kind of like the, the equivalent of the key striker. Mm. He ended up buying him an entire palace. Um, so yeah, so so kind of very familiar passions, and and the and the other thing is that um, it, it gladiatorial contests as well were felt to be improving. Um, what to, you, to, you, to to witness them or to, to witness them because um, and particularly once Rome has become a great power and individual citizens are no longer fighting, uh, it's there's this feeling that watching spectacles of courage and endurance and bloodshed. So be it in the circus or be it uh, in in the amphitheatre, it it, it it improves the moral character of the Roman people. And so that's why, again, there's a very kind of familiar narrative around what stadiums should be like. Again, that's kind of familiar from the 80s and 90s. Um, the Romans, Roman moralists think that you should stand in an amphitheatre. Why is that? Because... This is what a Roman should do. If you can sit down on a seat, then you're going to loll around. You're going to get soft. The watching the uh, watching the sport is going to become a mere uh, spectator activity. You, and it's very possible that you will end up um, breathing what comes to be called sedition. And seditio come, it comes from the Latin word seditio, which means sitting down. So the debates that we've <laughs> I was going to say it sounds familiar. About, yeah, it's very familiar. And, you know, but but they regarded they regarded all standing stadiums as absolutely essential. And so when when the the republic becomes an autocracy and you start getting emperors who who built obviously the largest stadium is the Colosseum. Colosseum is 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 an all seater stadium, and this is regarded by Roman moralists as being um, a kind of indicative of the the growing flabbiness and softness <laughs> of the Roman people. That they're not out there. You know, the equivalent would be they're not out there actually playing football in parks. They are just sitting around watching. So wow. it's 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 a kind of equivalent of a couch potato fan. 
a sign of things to come. <laughs> um, but one thing, actually, I would just like to say, 1990, I think, was the last World Cup where it seemed like that the stadiums weren't always full. Yes. And it seemed that, I can remember England fans kind of congering down sort of aisles of seats sometimes when they were doing okay and so on. And it, 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 there was, that just didn't happen. Like well, 94 World Cup in, 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 in the States seemed that there was largely full stadiums, especially in the I, I think they, I think it was entirely sold out. Yeah. And it was, it's certain, I think it's still the highest average attendance. I think, yeah, the, I think it is, uh, yeah. 94 World Cup. Because, you know, the US fan is great at turning up and yeah. going to watch, or whatever else you think about yeah. the, the Americanization of sport. Sure. They do turn up and watch. But in knockout rounds but, in but that, any World Cup since, you don't have empty but especially in England I think even the semi-final against West Germany yeah but I mean I guess you want a full stadium and obviously economically for FIFA it is better to have the tickets sold but the the great thing if you you know if you do have tickets available is if a team gets on a run yeah you can hop on a cheap well, flight to Italy and you can and there was go something about it. So but, many... it's weird, but it's weird people didn't for, especially for the uh, that semi-final oh, I think a lot of people was, did no, no, they did you, you, you would hear people but, especially but, in but, Ireland but, but if there were empty seats I mean I don't remember that no but, but you would hear you would, I know but the Irish people have these stories of you know oh, where's your dad oh he's, he's gone out to Italy Ireland's going to yeah. win the World Cup and you know he'd cancel his flight home and he'd stay out there for two <laughs> yeah. or three weeks and there's, um, there's a, a guy who play football with he, he actually played for Newport briefly oh. and he, he then became a journalist but he went to Italy to watch the World Cup and didn't come home for 10 years. He stayed there. <laughs> and I think there was... I'm not saying there was hundreds he of... He never sat down in a stadium once. Yeah, there was... You know, that was not a totally it, uncommon experience. Yeah. Is 10 the, years is, a bit Is long, the change the fact that it is now cheaper to get around? I mean, is that the, is that the reason? I think, I think football's changed as well. The I prestige think. of it. The, the, I think yeah. the idea of going... I think one of the things about 1990, it just seemed so far away and so exotic. That and also it was dangerous. I remember listening... Yeah. It the, was the, dangerous. Yeah, you know, there was that element to it. I, the the, um, the Rugby World Cup in Japan mm. when uh, England got to the final and, and people were kind of spending £40,000 to fly to Japan. Yeah. But you couldn't, you know, which is, and, and rugby is much less supported than... Well, they're well, supported by that, maybe richer people, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe that's And it, I, I guess yeah. they also, they figure they yeah. can get a ticket because they can afford the black market price. Or yeah. the, the... But I was kind of amazed how many people could afford to go to Japan. There's, there's definitely that thing where, because of the World Cup in Germany, for example, in 2006, in a way that didn't happen, to my knowledge, in 98, although perhaps it did, but people would just, I just want to be there. I just want to soak up the atmosphere. Yeah. I want to be there. There'll be fan parks, the so fan, fan parks as well. You knew that yeah. you would watch it. You knew there would be other supporters of your team and, and there would be facilities, which perhaps previously... Actually, the, the fan park thing is a big thing. But yeah. the, the, the other thing that's changed, and this was really obvious in, in Russia, is the burgeoning middle class in South America. That mm. there was, oh yeah! Like, it didn't matter where you went in Russia. There were thousands of Peruvians there. I could, yeah, I could, it was, they did, you go anywhere. I haven't travelled a bit and in Peru you go, with, with their pipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how you recognise them. Yeah. That's how you knew them. I mean, they but did get everywhere. You could hear them before they <laughs> yeah. arrived. Yeah. But you go into literally any cafe or bar in a World Cup city, yeah. whether Peru were playing there, or had any possibility of playing there, there'd be half a dozen Peruvians. Yeah, because you know it's their first World Cup since eighty two, two, and suddenly there's thirty, forty thousand. Proving could afford to go, and they, you know, they, they. Did, I guess some of them took out loans to go, figuring they wouldn't yeah. be there again in, in a hurry. And... But I think, but I'm also wondering the the um the, the semi final, the England Germany mm-hmm. West Germany match was was that unusually high in terms of, of viewing figures? Well, think, in terms of TV, in terms of TV, yeah, I think in, it's in still. Britain, I think it was kind of the largest ever. I think it might still be the largest ever. It was definitely up there. And yeah. I wonder whether that was that was something that did actually change the framework of it. That that TV companies realised that if we can get this, mm. you know, 
get this kind of t- tide of, of 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 passion and enthusiasm, then we can monetize it. And because, I guess Euro ninety six changed things as well. The fact that it was on home soil and Euro ninety six had a huge impact here, yeah, for um, obvious reasons. I mean, even that, you know, we're talking about the whitewashing power of myth. England lost to Germany there, and people went out and smashed up German cars. And as that Russian student was stabbed yeah. because people thought he was German. Yeah. So you know, it, it, it it's very easy to see that as being. I think a, I think a, England wore horrible grey shirts in that, didn't they? Which they is, did. Uh, and I think it's the fact that they had these shimmering white shirts, which is also. Just in terms of mm. the uh, the aesthetic of the, the well, aesthetic actually, of it, did, is, didn't work is, against uh, Croatia the, in Russia. Though. The aesthetic, <laughs> no, but 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 the, the the weirdly the you think of the iconic photos of Gaza, the whiteness of the shirt, and then the kind of the the, the dirt smears and the blood. Well, butcher's blood, yeah, the butcher's yeah. blood and things. It, it there's a kind. Of, I know what you mean. You, yeah. It kind of it, it 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 again. It kind of enables it. It sharpens in the memory. But mm. there's also spread. something about the aesthetic of that tournament to do with it's something to do with the the film that's used. And yeah, it's yes, it's it's yes, yes, it looks yes. it looks old in a way no subsequent World Cup has looked old. Yeah. Yes, I don't quite understand what that is, but there's a there's an a old kind of graininess yeah, to it. Exactly, absolutely. There we are. Happens to us all, I suppose. <laughs> um, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure Thanks having you on much. the pod. Thank you for for sharing your thoughts and experiences in that French bar. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> nice to revisit it. <laughs> um, for more stories like that, go to theblizzard.co.uk. But yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Jonathan, pleasure as always. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week for another game from the world of football. Cheers. Was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.